Hi, I'm Sally. I'm an alcoholic, and uh, it's great to be here. What a what a great way to start the morning. Everybody just uh, saying hello and from all over the world. And uh, when I was drinking and using, my mornings weren't like this, right? So, um, so I thought I'd talk about uh, recovery unity and service. And those are the things that are on our coins. And I have here is, um, it's a, if you can see it, it's a 50 year coin. And we have a guy in Westside Agnostics, Chuck, and he is celebrating 50 years in a week or so. And actually, Ronnie, who's on this call now, celebrated 50 years a few weeks ago. And, you know, what an extraordinary thing to live 50 years sober. Um, so I'm, I'm just amazed by that. And then I also have a six month chip because I have a gal I'm sponsoring and she turns six months today. And, um, and what an extraordinary experience, right? Because even, even more so, I think at the beginning uh, for 30 days, for seven days to change your whole life and begin this uh, heroic effort that we do. Uh, I'm, I'm just so grateful and, and I, I'm, I'm so amazed. I don't know why some people get sober and some people don't. And I don't know why some people stay sober and some people don't. Um, I remember in New Sobriety, I went to this place. It was called the Marina Center and it was um, a shithole. And that was a generous description. And there was a homeless guy outside. He'd lived many years homeless. And at one point he told everybody, if I could stay sober, he could. And his name was Tommy. And last time I was in LA and I saw him, he was still sober. So Tommy and I got sober together. Tommy was homeless, I wasn't. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing that sometimes people hit a bottom, I think, in my opinion, people hit a bottom that's low enough that they decide to put down the drugs and alcohol and pick up life. And then all sorts of things happen. Um, you know, so my background, I don't know if I talk about this very much, but I was, I was born and raised in Spokane, Washington. Uh, we, uh, my family was Catholic and my dad actually built all the things for the church. Like as kids, we had the altar, we had the kneelers, all that stuff was in our basement. He did fine carpentry. And the priest came for Thanksgiving and Christmas to the house. And, uh, and so I grew up in this, uh, you know, the Catholic church for me was, you know, growing up was an, was an interesting thing. I remember talking to Father Winnie and asking him about immaculate conception and saying I had, and this was when I was in like second or third grade. And he was saying, well, you just have to have faith. And I thought, well, you know, like look around the farmyard, we had animals. It just seems like it's something a little more than faith. And, um, and so when I was really young, I think I was, it was before I was walking and Father Seglowski was at the house and he had a big whiskey on the floor. And I crawled up and grabbed the whiskey, slammed it down and walked. And that was a family story, how I walked. And um, really, I drank and smoked cigarettes and anything I could get my hand on from a, a very young age. I just, uh, I was uh, born into a crazy family. Um, my mom had uh, mental health 
issues. And my dad, I think he was a periodic alcoholic. Well, I know he was a periodic alcoholic, but, um, and there was, and there was a lot of stuff going on in that family and I didn't want to be there. And my way out was uh, drinking, smoking, all these things that took me out of myself. And I did that until I was 30. Um, I was a blackout drinker. Uh, I remember at 18, I was at uh, Priest Lake, which is this beautiful lake. And they were having what was called the Sandbar Olympics, which was not a sporting event. It was a drinking event with boats on a lake. And, uh, you know, I blacked out and I went missing for two or three days. And, and I came to and I was talking to a friend of mine's sister's boyfriend. And he knew me and he said, what do you mean you don't know where your shoes are? What do you mean you don't know where your purse is? And luckily, and I, 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 did, I just came out of the blackout. That's the only time I have a recollection of coming out of a blackout. And he took me back to the cabin where I was staying. Luckily, he knew where that was. And when I walked in, everybody said, where have you been? And I said, I'm back. Let's party, right? It wasn't it wasn't a warning. It wasn't a wake up. It wasn't anything. I drank for many, many, many more years. And I never, I never thought I had a problem with drinking. I had a problem with other people, with family. If you had my life too, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff. And there was a lot of stuff There was, you know, there was sexual abuse. There was all, all that stuff. There was trauma, you know, it, um, and all that stuff informed my drinking. And for many years, the drinking was the solution. And I was grateful to have it because I don't know how I would have made it through my childhood without it. But then at some point, it stopped working. It was when my dad, my dad died and he died early. And uh, soon after that, I, uh, a friend of mine came. Well, actually what happened, a friend of mine was at the house I had, I'd slugged down a, a, I was a vodka drinker at the end, and I'd slugged down a vodka and a stuffed pork chop. And she said, you know, I think you have a drinking problem. And um, I was shocked. Like I said, I'll quit. And I quit. And like 12, 15 hours later, I was, I had DTs and I went to the emergency room and, you know, I got into it with the LAPD and all that crazy stuff. And, uh, and she took me to three meetings. One was at the Marina Center. That was an AA meeting. One was a CODA meeting. And one was an Al-Anon meeting. And the one that I identified with was the AA meeting at the Marina Center. And that's where I felt comfortable. And I went there for the first five years of my sobriety. Every day I was in town, I went. They had a step meeting Monday through Friday. They had, uh, uh, I think, a chapter of the book or a part of the book was read on Saturday and Sunday. And um, we did third step prayer, seven step prayer, five minutes of meditation. And that was at 630 in the morning. And, um, and when I walked in, they looked at me and they said, Oh, you're new. Good. You can make coffee. So I would go at 530 in the morning and I would make coffee and some of the older guys would come and just sort of be there so that I wasn't on my own because it wasn't wasn't a bad part of town, but it wasn't a great part of town. And um, I made coffee and I had a chair and it was in the brain dead section. We had names for the section, five rows back on the aisle. And if you were sitting in my chair, I told you to move because that was my chair. I mean, that's just how I was. 
And somehow I was a part of that group. It was the only time I ever felt a part of. And that and that's the thing of unity. Like when we got on this morning and we're all chit-chatting, you know, that's unity. And I didn't have that in my life before when I was drinking and using. It was always about me. And now that we've talked about me, what do you think about me? And there was no real connection with any person. It was just about drugs and alcohol. And when was I going to get it? How was I going to get it? And really, if your wedding happened during one of those times, I missed it. It was tough. You know, I just, I didn't honor commitments. I didn't show up. I did work because I needed, I needed money and uh, I needed to, you know, that was the only way I really validated myself was by working. Um, and that went on for a long time. And so when I got sober, I was in LA and I was on my own and I started going to these meetings and I got a sponsor and throughout my sobriety, I have always had a sponsor and I have always felt grateful for that. One, one of my sponsors was a guy named Dirty Jack in Los Angeles. And he had about 45 years at the time and he was an auto mechanic. Plus he liked to take pictures. So that's a double entendre. And he was he was a great guy. And he always said he worked with the crazy ones. And I always wondered, well, why is he working with me? I never, I just didn't get it, right? I, I was very obtuse. And, um, and Ronnie, who's on today, was my sponsor for a period of time. And, you know, the thing is about getting sober in LA is we had fun. It was a fun thing to do. So it wasn't like, I, I never had the FOMO because I wasn't giving anything up except puking and blackouts and arguments and, you know, just alienation. So we did, we used to do this thing called the Marina Center Rovers. And one of the guys, this is how long ago it was, you may recall the show Baywatch. Well, he drove the Baywatch van. So he would bring it to the Marina Center and we'd all load in and we'd go to meetings around LA and LA County at the time was 110 miles from end to end. So it's, you know, it's a big space. And we'd show up at these AA meetings and we'd be like celebrities, you know? And then afterwards we'd go have ice cream and it was fun. And you connected with people. And, you know, one of the people there was B. She was a very dear friend of mine and she was friends with Ronnie and sort of plugged me into that. There was a group called the Studio Group, which came out of the movie studios. And um, we would go to that meeting and we just had... We just had a lot of fun. Um, my husband who is on here, he's Mark P. We, we were dating periodically during that time. And we would go to um, Las Vegas, Nevada. He had a friend, Gary. There was a, there was a meeting at a local mall, um, the Santa Monica Mall meeting. And we'd ride our bikes up there. A girlfriend of mine and I would ride our bikes up there in the morning and then go to the meeting. And you know that's where Mark and I met. And then we would go well, our first date was a panel at a prison, <laughs> which is funny because when we got there, we drove all the way out to, I can't remember, Chico State, I think, and we couldn't get in. Something was wrong with that. So we, you know, we ended up all going to dinner. It was, it was fun, but, and then we would go to Las Vegas and there was always a, um, we do Thanksgiving in Las Vegas and, you know, it was when Lake Mead had water and we'd go boating and We'd have Las Vegas, there'd be a group. We'd, they had, uh, you know, 
AAs would come out, we would hang out and it was just fun. And I was grateful because I just got picked up by uh, a great group of people. And it was all about service and unity and recovery. And that's what we were doing. And so we eventually moved to Cleveland. We uh, sold our house in uh, Thousand Oaks, moved to Cleveland. And that was a shock because we walked into a meeting and it was real religious and they prayed for everybody. And Mark and I looked at each other and said, what's this? And then somebody would talk and they would do crosstalk. And we walked out. We're not doing this. And then we went to another meeting. The same thing happened. We walked out. And then we went to another meeting. Same thing happened. And we're like, what is going on? And at this time, we had some sobriety. I guess that was about maybe 14 years ago. And it was really crazy. So Mark found the West Side Agnostic. They were down in Lakewood. And he started going down there. And then I would go more occasionally. And it was, it was such good recovery because everybody talked about the solution. There was no, it was just about the solution. And it was always so interesting. And I was so bored at the other meetings. It was really like, oh, I just couldn't, I just couldn't take another meeting. There were, it, people didn't talk about tools and all the things that helped them to get sober. They just, it was blah, blah, blah. So, so go, you know, finding Westside Agnostics was, uh, it, it re-energized my sobriety. And then the pandemic happened and Westside Agnostics went online. And as many of you know, we have seven days a week and on Saturdays, we're actually now meeting back in the park at 11. And, um, and it was just fantastic because here we were locked down. You know, luckily Mark and I had moved from our temporary apartment. You know, we sold the house, moved into an apartment. It took us years to find a new property. And we had found this great property that was six acres. We had our horses with us. We could renovate the property. We were at home. You know, we could do Zoom every night. It was, it was, I don't know, I don't know how other people did it because we sort of had a focus. And on Zoom, I got to meet a lot of young gals who wanted to do sponsorship and wanted to work on the steps. And so I got to sponsor people. And that is it's so fulfilling. I mean, doing a fifth step with someone and having someone pour their heart and soul out to you is um, such an honor. And seeing how these young gals, all the all the people I sponsor are gals. Well, one, one person's non-binary. And uh, to see them get sober and suddenly they have a driver's license, they're driving, they have jobs. They're just like, their lives are blooming. It's, it's you know, it's like, I, sometimes I feel like I'm the mama hen and they're my little chickens and they're growing up. I know that's, that's funny, but it's just like, it's, it's so sweet. And, and sometimes they go out and that's really scary because I'm powerless over if someone goes out. All I can do is offer the program the way I worked it. You know, I have, um, you know, when I started so sobriety, there was the big book and the 12 and 12. And now I have this staying sober without God, which is a great book because it modernizes the steps. And for the young people and some of the older people I'm working with, it's fresh language. And 
you know, words like unmanageability and powerless may not resonate with this new generation, but you, you know, you can make headway uh, by being flexible and open. And, and that's the hallmark of the West Side Agnostics and Tusnu, or the free thinkers, is being flexible and open. Um, I also have this little book of steps, and these are different versions of steps. And this was one of the first ones. There was a not, it's a Buddhist non-theist 12 steps. And step number two was came to believe that a power other than self could restore us to wholeness. And I thought, wow, like that's setting the beam on, on a goal I want to attain. And in, as opposed to insanity, it's wholeness, right? And so I love that. And then there's, um, I have other ones too. Well, anyway, so I've got all these books that I use uh, when I work with someone who wants to do the steps and um, whatever they want to do. Um, the, you know, the, the getting sober without God, that one, the, the way the fourth step is done is so easy. And it takes a lot of the, you know, it's never easy to do a four step. Your first four step is always scary, but the way it breaks it down, you know, the way we're doing it now is um, when you used to do a four step, you'd say, I'm offended by uh, the post office because they didn't deliver my mail. And I, so I burned my mailbox and I got a fine, right? And you had to go all the way across. Well, this one is going in more of a vertical. So first you make a list of names and you settle with that. Then you talk about what happened. So you do it that way. And that seems to be um, a little more digestible. And for me, it's good to be flexible because like I'm, I'm like an old dog. I mean, I'm 61. I've, I've been in the program a long time and it's good for me to get new ideas. And I have to say, the first time I went to a higher palooza, the first higher palooza, and I think I think Allie spoke, and I think I saw her here. But the people talked about free thinking and about being flexible. At least this was my takeaway. And I thought, you know what? I need to be more flexible. Like I need to bring these new ideas in because there's a whole generation that's not resonating. And what if somebody didn't get sober because all I presented them was the big book, you know? And so it's not my responsibility to get, get, you know, to get them sober, but I think it is as a sponsor, my responsibility to think creatively and to find ways that will resonate with the people I sponsor so that they can get sober because that benefits everybody. When somebody says they have 18 years or four years or 30 days, it's amazing. You know, it's a heroic effort. My yoga teacher says that. She says, it's a heroic effort when you try and do yoga because really it's the same thing when we get sober. We're putting enough effort in to be sober without being crazy. I mean, we're bringing moderation and balance into the picture, which is something I never had. You know, if I started doing Coke, it, I did it until it was gone. Right, there was no moderation. There was no putting it away. Right, I just I'm not a half measures kind of gal. So, so anyway, um, and then here in Cleveland, I uh, I had this cough, and you know I didn't really want to go to the doctor. So cough, cough, cough. I went to Ireland. I went hiking. I hiked Sleeve League. I hiked the one man's cough, cough, cough all the way. 
And uh, my friend Heather said to me, you know what, you got to go get a chest x-ray. And I was like, okay, when I get back from Ireland, I'll get a chest x-ray. Well, they found out I had lung cancer. And um, so that was four years ago. So it's been four years since diagnosis and I'm alive. And that is amazing. And there's been, you know, a lot of surgeries and stuff, but I'm, I'm really healthy and I'm getting my strength back. And a lot of that has to do with the program because when I got really sick, the people that stepped up and helped me were people in the program. And it was such a gift. I mean, it was such a gift to have people who could just show up for you. I had, I had one gal who used to, you know, at the time Mark was working a lot and he was traveling a lot and we needed that. You know, we needed, you know, we own a business. And my friend Ellen would come in the morning and do the morning check or people would make smoothies for me or, you know, to chemo. I had friends fly in and stay for a week with me to go to chemo. And, um, and you know, asking for help was not a skill that I was born with. That's something I acquired in sobriety. And, <clears throat> excuse me, when you ask for help, people respond. And it's like a bicycle. It's give and receive, give and receive. So you need to have some give, you need to have some receive, in my opinion. And, um, and so I've gotten through that. And so far I'm good and I'm strong and I'm taking, helping Mark take care of the horses. And you know we have a farm and there's always a lot of work. And so, so the thing that happened in the pandemic, I, I'm, I've been yammering on for a while here, is um, we started, we wanted to get together with people. And so we started having bonfires. And uh, the bonfires are amazing because the first time we had a bonfire, we, uh, many people we'd never met and somebody would walk out of their Zoom box and they might be six feet tall or five feet tall. You know, you just never knew. And we got to see everybody and everybody contributes and Mark lights a fire. We signal the space station. There's no half measure about him. We're, we're doing one on Saturday and um, it's fantastic because people show up. We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate life events. Um, this Saturday we have Luke, who I think is on the meeting, is going to have four years. We have Aaron, who's going to have two years and we have Heather, who's going to have 10 years. So um, it's amazing. And I'm grateful. You know, we have this, this house. We have this big garage. If it rains, we can all be in the garage. We have this huge garage. It's covered. Uh, we have the bonfire. We have the horses. Um, and that is, is unity and fellowship, right? And people come. Sometimes they come just for a little bit, just to show up. And so... I'm grateful for that because we don't have a lot of in-person meetings yet. Um, and so, you know, with Westside Agnostics, we lost our meeting spot during the pandemic. They are renovating the library, but now we're a couple of the members in the group are talking to the city and it looks like we might get a spot back, which would be really nice because we're, winter is coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. And we'll be able to meet in person at least once a week. So, um, to think I, that was pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. And I just want to say this group, I'm just really grateful to be a part of this group and to always be welcomed. And um, 
Bobby's not here today, but I was in Ireland earlier this year. I was in uh, Connemara and the Burn, and I did some hiking and beautiful weather, and I got to meet with Bobby, and we had dinner and visited, and it was like coming home. So uh, thank you very much for letting me share, and I'm grateful.